Hello and welcome to episode 159 of the Tech Reformation, where the world Wait, David, of technology meets the yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. You can do it. <laughs> now I have to start over. What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, let Ben do it. It'll be people will be like, I don't what? Even know what you're on anymore. I do still listen, by the way. I you can even say 159. 159. Hey, Ben, now that you listen and you, you're not on here every week, do you like find yourself screaming at your car stereo when you're listening back to it? Only because you do. Why is- only because you guys do the like, here's what happened during my week this week, which I've now, unfortunately, <laughs> unwillingly been drawn in. into. So. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 159 of the Tech Reformation. Where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. I'm Ben. I'm Craig. I'm David. And I'm only back for this week. Just this week. <laughs> he's realized why he's not back every week already. What? Ben, he's realized. Oh, he's real. This has confirmed his decision for him. You mean this <laughs> no, 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 the fact that all, we've been recording for 19 minutes and <laughs> here we are. <laughs> no, you guys That's still have fair. great things to say. I'm your number one listener and fan. Long-time listener, first-time guest. When people sign into our Slack, it's still your face that comes up, so it's good that you... Oh, nice. Yeah, I forgot about that. Still involved. Mm. I remember every time I hop onto Bill Hasinger's account to do something funny. <laughs> hey, is are all these people that are jumping in for the flogging channel, are they just you? You're just creating fake accounts? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jim. Poor Jim has no idea. <laughs> Is this going in the episode? I don't know. I don't know. Why don't we get started here? Ben, you sent me an article that made me kind of angry and you wanted to talk about it. And we thought, let's have Ben on the show to talk about it. So why don't you explain why did I read this and why am I angry? (laughs) Yes. So last year around this time, Christianity Today, David's favorite favorite publication. Favorite. Favorite. Oh, oh man, favorite is going to be the episode title. All right. <laughs> David's favorite publication, Christianity Today, wrote an article, published an article. I prefer Relevant Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Woo. Okay. So the reason that I'm here is because. Someone wrote a thing that they published on Christianity Today called <laughs> How Podcasting Hurts Preaching. And the subtitle is Sermons Belong in Church, Not Our Earbuds. It was published on January 5th, 2018 by Reed Mercer Shuchart, who is the Associate Professor of Communication at Wheaton College. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. I decided to treat it like an Old Testament name. When you're not sure, just be confident and go with your first guess. Yeah. And then no one will question you. Except David questioned me. (laughs) (laughs) I am the exception that proves the rule. So anyway, the idea here is that we shouldn't put our sermons on podcasts because then people will stop coming to our churches. And I just wanted to discuss that thought and see if it's true and if it's helpful. Um, 
And it might help to get our listeners on the same page with us if I quote a little bit from the article. Is that all right, David? I think that would be good so that we are not misrepresenting, as you would say. I would say that. All right. Here's a little bit of the article. He says, Sermon podcasting reveals a utilitarian misunderstanding of how our messages create a sense of meaning. The sermon is not an interchangeable part that can be removed from the context of worship while still maintaining its power, its authority, and its efficacy. It retains, at most, one of these, diluting or eliminating the other two. And then he goes on to say, If value is a function of scarcity, then we must understand just what scarcity means. Scarcity can either be real and produce actual value, as in gold, virginity, and integrity, or it can be manufactured and produce perceived value, as in Pokemon cards, Bitcoin, and diamonds. What the church has done successfully for millennia is produce perceived value through rules and restrictions, limitations and taboos, thou shalts and thou shalt not, thou shalt nots, until its users come to recognize that this perceived value is really an actual value." I'm almost done, but he goes on. For churchgoers, to perceive value, churches have to maintain the scarcity of the once-a-week, in-real-life sermon experience. When pastors push their sermons far and wide via podcast, they unintentionally devalue the message they have worked hard to create and communicate. They remove the sermon from the time, context, and body of the liturgy where it belongs. By giving away their best material online, churches may actually be incentivizing their crowd not to attend. Now really is a good time to ask, what would Jesus podcast? The answer <laughs> is nothing. In fact, Jesus was so against any form of mediation that he never did anything unless he was there, live, in person, embodied to see it personally. And I think that's, those are just a couple of paragraphs. I didn't read the whole thing by any stretch. Yeah, the thing is a lot so you longer, can go back even, and, if, even if you're reading it sounded really long too. <laughs> <laughs> You can go back and read it more if you want. I'm sure they'll put the link in the show notes. I don't do that thing anymore. So, you know, who's to say really? But <laughs> I do think that that's a totally fair representation of the guy's own words and the thrust of his argument, which is, if we put our sermons on podcasts, then there won't be any value in our sermons and people won't come to our churches to hear us preach our sermons. Yes, podcasts, sorry, sermons need to be more like Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love the inclusion of Bitcoin in there. It was just, it was good. Yeah. Also, Pokemon cards for the millennials. <clears throat> Speaking of, do you guys want to see my Pokemon cards? We could just do that instead. I, yeah, nice. I have With a Mount. bunch of Pokemon cards, but they are across the country from me. Oh. <laughs> well, never mind then. Yeah. Otherwise, we could fight. I had a Charizard. I never one. had the cards. I just had Pokemon Blue on Game Boy. That's it. That's as far as I got into it. Mm. Yeah, I was never that into Pokemon. XKCD reference. <laughs> so I don't I'm like... going to make an assertion here about this article. Good. Okay. And that is that in order to make his point, the author has to presuppose a kind of consumerism that is actually the problem, that the church's product is the, pre the preaching, and that prudence must then be redefined according to pragmatic terms to meet that sort of consumeristic goal that is high value product that'll get consumers to come. And I think that's the first one. So I think there's two presuppositions in the article, one consumerism and two sort of like the church is a business and two that the real issue here is people don't come and hear God's word preached because they're not converted. 
Dun, dun, dun. All right. So I feel like we need to summarize some of these arguments that are flying around. Um, let me try to summarize the article's arguments in like two or three points real quick. Or maybe we can each summarize a point that we see and we'll come up with three points. That'll be like a uh, like a, a good sermon with three points, but we can't put it on a podcast. Will there be a poem? A haiku, actually. Each, each one right. must start with the same letter, each point. Yeah. Yeah. For the Baptists in our midst. Um, like me. So the first thing he's trying to say is that if there's just sermons flying through the airwaves everywhere... They're just all over the place. You can get a sermon here. You can get a sermon there. You can listen to a sermon on your way to work. You can listen to a sermon while you sermon do laundry. Saturation. Uh, yeah, sermon saturation. Then people don't value the sermons preached at their local church. They don't value sermons, period. And so they don't go to church. That's a point that the author is making. I think I said that. Yeah, yeah, I know, did. but there's a lot of stuff flying around and I just feel like we need to stay in the article <laughs> and just tease out some of this stuff a little bit more. Another point he makes is about um, the sermon's true place of value uh, being limited to the church setting because of liturgy and the fact that it's part of a, like a worship service that involves other things like the Eucharist and singing, you know, worship um, and preaching. They kind of all go together and corporate prayer and things like that. So he's saying it shouldn't be removed as its own little separate component that can then be utilized or, um, yeah, benefited from aside from the context that it's originally given in, which we could talk about whether that's true or not, um, or how true that is, I guess. But that's, that is another point that he makes. And then another argument that he seems to make is that since Jesus didn't write anything down, or record any of his sermons except that one time with his finger in the sand. And when he commissioned Paul to write half the new Testament, more than half the new Testament. And when the whole Bible is, is God's word. Right. Besides Breathed that, out by God. uh, Jesus didn't write things down. He wanted people to be there in the moment to experience the things that he was doing. Paul couldn't have written more than half the new Testament because Luke wrote more than Paul and that would mean that Luke also wrote more than half the New Testament. And then you'd have more than 100% of the New Testament more than just Luke and Paul. But John wrote some of the books too. All right, fine. And Peter. Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, wait, wait. What if, what if Paul wrote Hebrews? How does that tip the scales? <laughs> I actually don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, because I, I do operate under that assumption. Um, and then, Ben, you're saying that He's got a presupposition here. He's got two presuppositions here. One of them is that the, uh, basically the church is, uh, should operate like a business and the yep. product is the preached word the the product yep. being, I guess, sold or marketed to people. Yep. And so the, the I think so. The, and there, that's where he gets a lot of these problems. Uh, people don't come to church. People aren't getting the product in its fullest form because the church is, is undervaluing the product they're uh what's the term for that uh they're cannibalizing their sales of real mm -hmm. sermons with podcast sermons i think that comes out the clearest when he talks about how value is a function of scarcity which is the way people in the valley talk what the san antonio valley 
No, Silicon the, Valley. Oh, I oh, right. joke. <laughs> Is there a valley in San Antonio? I don't know. The uh, yeah, no, I don't know many. Uh, my American geography is fairly limited to the Statue of Liberty and a few bridges and Grand Canyon national parks. Anyway, that's off topic. <laughs> we have a lot of national parks. Some of our states are more Yosemite. national park than they are state land. Anyway, yeah, no, okay, sure. Well, I think the whole thing though is um, a misunderstanding of what a church is. And possibly also what a Christian is. And possibly also what a sermon is. Maybe. But I feel like he understands, or at least sounds like he understands, liturgy types of things. I think there might be a... He uses liturgical terms and then says that pastors should give communion to people who aren't at church. So Yeah, there you go. Good point. (laughs) I think there's, there's definitely a really high value of... Whatever he understands the word liturgy to me. <laughs> so before we before we do a deep dive on what's wrong with this, can we affirm anything in this article? Are podcasts no. in any way hurting sermons? No. No, it we is, can't okay. affirm anything, David. <laughs> this is come on. You're not affirming. Uh it is possible for people to uh cop out of attending a gathered body of believers in a local church and instead uh, opt for the um, sermon as a standalone, I guess, as their weekly sort of spiritual input. I I suppose that, like, we would have to say that is a real possibility. We wouldn't say that that is the right thing to do. And Hebrews 10.25, I think it is, speaks directly against doing that. Um, But I suppose that that is possible and maybe has increased since this kind of thing, since podcasted sermons um, came onto the scene. So if that's, if that's his main concern, uh, then that's fine. But he, at at times in the article that that gets, or that at one point, at least that gets linked to, he's like, it's no coincidence that, you know, the decline in, in, in um, church attendance uh, among the young digitally connected generation. He, he's basically saying that that seems to be linked to, to sermon podcasting somehow. <laughs> and I don't know if you can actually make that link, but anyway, that's, if I could that's quote what he Oscar does from the office. It's a coincidence. It's, it's not even a coincidence. It's just a thing that happened. <laughs> I've never seen the office. That's okay. David's stunned. No, Ben is stunned. I'm I'm okay with it. Ben is you're, stunned. You're in a third okay. world country. I don't expect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so oh. so what we are affirming besides Ben, who is just talking like strong mad, um, <laughs> <laughs> what we are affirming is that people should not use podcasts or really anything. Like you could make this argument with any of the elements of worship, like. I sing the Psalms or I listen to modern worship music, whatever I do that on my own. So I don't need to go to church or you could say, I pray on my own. I read the Bible on my own. It's just me and my Bible. I mean, we've had that problem, you know, the me and my Bible Christian for well, probably the entire time that the church has been a thing. Um, but mm-hmm. podcasts do present, I guess a unique outlet where if somebody thinks the most important thing at church is the preaching of the word. They could say, well, I'm getting the important parts. Uh, and so there, there is a, I guess a danger here and it might be a good idea for somebody to write an article 
warning of the danger. But this article seems to go even further and say, we should just stop podcasting altogether because it not only creates new outlets for this problem to occur, but it also actually literally causes the problem. Yeah. Whereas we would say the the problem there is not a uh, technology problem. It's a discipline problem. You know what I mean? Like people, um, he says, you know, one of the, one of the key things of, you know, one of the key reasons to get out of bed on Sunday morning and go to church is to hear the sermon. And so if we're making that available elsewhere, then people kind of have a reason not to go. And it's like, well, no, if you, like you said, I guess if you see the only, um, value in church as listening to a sermon, then yes, you could make that argument that if you can get the sermon another way, then you don't need to go. But that's both a misunderstanding of what church is, uh, like Ben said, I think originally, and also a lack of discipline in um, doing things that might inconvenience you or take up time that are actually uh, really good things to do and we're commanded to do. Um, and uh, the appropriate way to express um, our Christianity in uh, in the context of um, the church, which Jesus set up. So, yeah, I think that we can affirm bits of stuff, but it's kind of hard to affirm much. That's kind of how I feel about this article. I don't think it's a... I don't think it's, firstly, a discipline problem. I think it's, firstly, a grace problem. In that, if you haven't received the grace of God, you won't continue to come to church. Sure. <clears throat> well, yes, but that's some the people case might. With all <laughs> discipline problems, like like all of our ability to follow God's commands from a, as Craig was about to jump on from a from a from a not pure heart, but from a heart with correct motives. Uh, all of our ability comes down to grace. Like you could make that case about any way that any Christian thing sins. Like that your problem mm. is a discipline problem, but it's first a grace problem. And that's why I'm not saying the same thing as you because I'm not talking about Christians. I'm talking about non-Christians. So you're saying that people who just don't go to church have received uh, zero graces. No, I'm not saying well, zero, that. Zero. I mean, are you saying uh, that people who, who are not Christians will not continue to go to church? Cause that's what it sounded like. And I was like, well, they might if they're just interested, but not really. In, or they or they think that they're saved, but they're not really, you know what I mean? Like they might be kind of on the fringes and they, they keep going because it's what they do. Yes. No, Ben's a Baptist. They don't have those. <laughs> I trust that. <clears throat> I tr- Well, actually, I do think that's what's part of what's involved here, David, is that if the church is a regenerate body of people who know the Lord, as the Bible testifies... <laughs> In places like Jeremiah 31 and Hebrews 8. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You didn't bring me on your show to sprue my propaganda. Anywho. Hey, I'm still here. There's still an advocate for that position here all the time. If the Bible is a... Ga- I mean, excuse me, not the Bible. If the church is a <laughs> gathering of Christians, then yeah, I think, I think that's definitely part of the conversation. I think that the author sees a problem, <clears throat> rightly acknowledges that it's a problem. That is... It seems like people have stopped coming to church and I want people to come to church too. And to Craig's point, I'm sure there are lots of non-Christians in the pews uh, over the course of time. I think they are the exception that proves the rule. But, mm-hmm. 
but that's maybe another conversation. My point is simply this, and I don't mean to sound like David Hume here, but correlation does not equal causation. When you say people have stopped coming to church, and then you say, we've started podcasting our sermons, that doesn't necessarily mean those two things are in any kind of causal relationship. You have to demonstrate that. Mm. And I think the author, rather than demonstrating it, assumes it. Yes, and that's what I was saying when I when when he says it's not a coincidence that this you know this study showed that the people and I was like, well, I, that's a, you're making a leap there from one thing to another, and that's the causal relationship that you're talking about. I agree. And I mean, even I think a more likely. Go ahead. I think a more likely. What's the word I'm looking for here? Scenario. Purple. You both talked, so I couldn't hear either. Purple scenario. <laughs> David, I hate you, man. <laughs> no, I don't hate you. I love you, man. All right. Um, a more cool, likely uh, explanation more for explanation. people going okay. to church at one time and not going to church any longer is that we had a lot of non-Christians in the pews because, in large part, America was a so Christian nation in the sense that <laughs> pretty much everybody was a Christian or, or claimed to be a Christian, professed to be a Christian because it was socially acceptable to be one and socially beneficial in most places to be one. And now we're coming into a, an age and stage in which it's no longer the case that it's socially beneficial. And in some places, it's not even socially acceptable because you believe crazy backwards Neanderthal things like what <laughs> God says. You'd make a good atheist. That was some, that was some fire rhetoric there. Thanks, man. It wasn't a compliment. Um, <laughs> uh, you too. It's like a, it's like a comic book unfolding before my eyes. I don't know what that means. Uh, just the interactions. It's just like funny, but train wreck at the same time. At times, <laughs> it's like this friendship with it's it's friendship with angst. It's, I can't describe it any other way. Mm. Frenemy. <laughs> maybe i don't know um shall we move on to another point of the article which is incredibly long and so far we've talked about the first f- five paragraphs well, we kind of we kind of moved through various various do you have parts. another thing you want to talk about david or can i oh you go ahead okay i thought before i thought a minute ago you said i need a minute like as in you wanted to say something but i may have misheard something else you said no i said so, purple. okay yeah no it was before that um another Another question I had or sort of something that I was I was trying to sort of work out where he was going and how much I agreed and how much I disagreed uh, was the idea that the message is only it, it sort of seemed like to me that the message was only truly valuable when it is given in the context of the Sunday service or the, the weekly worship service. <clears throat> and that is another point where I kind of, I think I was tracking for a little bit and then I was like, no, I don't think I really agree with where that's heading. Um, and I'm interested to hear you guys thoughts on that. I'm just, uh, looking for the quote that I was going to read or that I was thinking about. Did you highlight it? Sorry. Did you highlight it? That's what I'm looking through. I highlighted lots of things. Yeah. Okay. So this is, and it's related to, I guess, um, what Ben was saying about when he quoted the bit about Jesus never wrote anything down on what would Jesus podcast. But, um, you know, he says, uh, 
when pastors podcast their sermons as a means to expand the reach of their gospel message, they end up promoting spiritual malnourishment instead. It's like teaching your children to grab a quick snack instead of showing up for family dinner. Um, And to me, that is a cheapening of the sermon's role in church and um, not uh, like a not sort of looking at it in in a valid way. And and what I mean by that is um, I think – you know, at one point he talks about, you know, they're wasting this message that they've spent time creating uh, and now they're just kind of putting it out there instead of just giving it to the people that it was designed for originally in the context that it was designed for originally. Um, and I guess the issue that I saw with that was that um, true biblical preaching, I guess, you know, we we would sort of, I, I guess, tend to agree that um, when you are preaching well, you are preaching, you are expounding the word of God to people. Um, and that involves application, which is kind of context specific to the people that you're talking to. Um, but a big part of that is, uh, exegesis and, uh, bringing, you know, making the word of God more understandable to uh, the people who are hearing it. And so that kind of I agree that that has a particular place and a special place in a context of a church service, but I don't think that it can be argued that someone driving in their car, like he was talking about, you know, hour hour long commutes or multiple hour commutes a week, um, listening to sermons, that that is not um, still, not just like a, a sort of partially um, valuable thing to do, but I actually think that is still a really valuable thing to do, to listen to a sermon, um, not in a church service, but to listen to a sermon at another time. I think, I don't think you can say, oh, well, it's lost most of its meaning because you're not seeing things like body language and, and things like that. Um, I think those things are helpful and they do help to communicate additional aspects of, of um, uh, sort of emphasis and things like that. But I don't think that I agree with the point that if it's not in the particular original context that it was delivered, that it then loses um, most of its its value or its meaning. Um, does that – do you kind of know what I mean there? Yes. Yes. Where's the bit in the article? I can't find it. I didn't highlight it, obviously. There's a bit where he says, at best, it, it, it retains like this much of its meaning. Do you know the bit I'm saying? That most one of these three sermon podcasting reveals a utilitarian understanding. This is about a third of the way through. Maybe a quarter. The way to do that on a Mac is command and then the letter F. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I did. No, I've already done that. I, uh, I was looking for a... F- and it came up. <laughs> I was looking for a phrase and it wasn't it retains. So um, for what it's worth, Craig, on that point you brought up, I yeah. actually am more and generally aligned with the author. Huh. Okay. What? I know that's not playing to type. I thought you couldn't but, affirm anything in the article, Ben. Well, that was obviously a joke, David. Okay. So so this is the quote that I was looking for, which I couldn't find. And now David has helped me find by using the right phrase. The sermon is not an interchangeable part that could be removed from the context of worship while still maintaining its power, its authority, and its efficacy. It retains at most one of these, diluting or eliminating the other two. I read that do, part so, at the very beginning. Yeah, I know you did. So, do you agree? I liked that. I won't ever come on and read that much again, ever. <laughs> Sorry for that. No, I was poking there fun are new at rules you. Now that I'm, now that I'm not on the show. Okay. So, so, this has come up already in terms of we've read it out, but honing in on this one portion of what you read out initially 
I don't think I agree, although I'd be open to discussion and hearing what you think and why you disagree. But I don't think that it, it can at most retain either power, authority, or efficacy when not delivered in the context of a worship service. I think because it is so heavily based on, you know, I'm talking about good preaching here. I'm talking about expository preaching, preaching that is tied to the text, not preaching that is thematic and kind of goes off with lots of anecdotes and illustrations and whatever. But good preaching, I think, um, because its basis is so tied to the text, can retain a level of power, authority, and efficacy no matter where it is heard. Yes, I agree with you. I think that's a bad argument for a position which I somewhat agree with, which is what I was saying earlier. So Ben, how do you agree? I agree because men like George Whitfield and Martin Lloyd-Jones would have um, at least somewhat sympathized with part of the argument of this this author, because they would have thought the preaching of the word does belong on a Sunday morning. Whitfield didn't want his sermons originally written down, uh, published, because he said, the Spirit's working when I'm preaching it, and you won't be able to get the same, and he probably would have even used the same words, power and efficacy, out of it just by reading it. And Lloyd-Jones similarly didn't want his sermons at first published, because, or, or especially actually put in audio, because he didn't think that it was appropriate for someone to be like, driving their car or doing their dishes or doing their laundry while they were listening to the word of God preached because you should be devoting your full focus to the preaching of the word of God. And yeah, I think those are two audio great does exist. <laughs> audio does exist of Martin Lloyd-Jones and we have the Romans series in book form. Yeah, I know. That's why I said at first he was yeah. not okay with it being distributed via audio. And I should be clear, I think Woodfield protested print and Lloyd-Jones protested audio for what it's worth. But uh, Lloyd-Jones also spoke about print. I've been reading his preaching on preacher's book. It's very good. Our sponsor this week is Valley Vintage Shop. I get it. You're a CentOS using MySQL developer working remotely. That means you work from home, probably in the basement. You maybe didn't even realize it was winter until a week or two ago when you went outside to restock on ramen or kale shakes, depending on if you're using Apache or Nginx. But when you did go outside, it was probably cold. Crazy cold. Like polar vortex cold. When it's this cold, even if you stay inside, your lips can get chapped because of dry air. You need lip balm. And also, probably more reasons to leave the house. Valley Vintage has you covered on at least one of those fronts. They make and sell lip balm, beard balm, hair balm, handmade soap, and room and body sprays. Valley Vintage was born out of a family's need for good, all-natural soap and hair products. So everything they make is all-natural. To get some to try for yourself, head over to valleyvintageshop.com and get 10% off your order with our promo code TECH. Soaps, balms, and oils made the vintage way. Thanks to Valley Vintage for sponsoring the Tech Reformation this week. David, you have so many thoughts that you've not expressed, and I think it's because you're so divergent from both Craig and I. Well, I don't know. This is, there, there's a lot of issues here that I haven't come down on. Um, so I'm not a revivalist, and so hearing Lloyd-Jones and... Uh, Whitfield talk about preaching. There are things there that I disagree with. Like they, they were much more into uh, revivalism uh, than I would be. But I would still want to affirm that there's something that is lost. Um, that that certainly uh, the Lord loves the gates of Zion uh, more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Um, and and I take that that's uh, Psalm 
What is that? Psalm 87 two. Uh, Did I you just that, sing it in church on Sunday? I take that to mean that, uh, there, that God prefers corporate worship, that there is, that, that, that God has, uh, to use a, a metaphor here, a special place in his heart for, uh, for corporate worship over and above, uh, the, the forms of worship that we might do individually or in family worship. Um, but the, I think the thing that makes preaching in church special is that God has very specifically promised to work in that context that he, he is always there when his people are gathered and, and the spirit works in a unique way. Um, we got to stop with the text during sky. <laughs> uh, the, the spirit works in a unique way during, during co- corporate worship, but that's not to say that the spirit can't work when somebody is later reading a Martin Lloyd Jones sermon. Like I, I can't count the number of times that I had life changing experiences reading uh, sermons from uh, Charles Spurgeon or Jonathan Edwards. And so, yeah, I, I guess I agree with both of you, but for weird reasons. I'm glad you made that point, David, because I wanted also to say that I think God's spirit works in the context of the gathered saints. And um, that obviously doesn't preclude him working through someone reading a book, but um, yeah, it is the way God has chosen to work. I agree totally with that point. In fact, I agree with most of what you said, except for when you said Whitfield and Lloyd-Jones were in, into revivalism. Now. Yeah, so I just wanted to affirm as well what I think both of you have now said um, in slightly different ways, which is that the Holy Spirit does work in a particular way during the Sunday service through the preaching of the word. Um, the, but what I was disagreeing with was with the article's sort of... Um, particular stance that it necessarily loses one of those three aspects, Um, either its power or its efficacy uh, or its authority uh, when it's removed from that particular context. So Ben, I'm going to assume that even though you would say that generally speaking, people who don't go to church are not regenerate, you would, you would leave room for the the person who uh, maybe somebody shared the gospel with them uh, in person recently they haven't had a lot of christian education for whatever reason they never got plugged into a a good church but they are regenerate they're just really really uh immature um let me stop you right there david (laughs) okay go on (laughs) (laughs) and i guess something this article brings to mind for me that i've i've thought about for a while now because frankly our audience and and we here we're not pastors uh, most of our audience is not pastors. Most of us are the guys who put the sermons online and build the website. Ben's about 75% pastor now, right? Or 80% or something? No. He's mostly dead. Um, <laughs> I got that reference. Monty Python. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> what? No, it's a it's a Princess Bride reference, isn't it? Oh, there's that too. But in He's that not one, dead. He's mostly is, dead. Is not binary. I'm talking about how it's an ex-parrot. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Um, so what I'm trying to say here is we're the guys who put up the podcast, like, like a lot of us, we're the ones who build the church website. And I feel like we've done a disservice because we could make it clearer on the website and maybe in the bumper, if there's a bumper on the podcast, uh, or maybe we could encourage the pastor to mention it from time to time that podcasts, you know, man shall not live by podcasts alone, that, uh, it is important that, uh, even if you are listening to these sermons online, 
uh, especially for celebrity pastors. Like when you go, when you back, back in the day, when you went to the Mars Hill uh, website and went to sermons, like it would have been great if there could have been every three or four episodes, some sort of a bumper or something that says you need to be in a church. We you know who does a really good job of that? Pastors. Yeah, you know, exactly. no, you know, you know who does a really good job of that is Matt Chandler with the Village Church. They, I'm pretty sure they have a sting on the front of all their podcasts. I've certainly seen it on their video podcast before where he says that kind of thing. Something like that, I think. Because Ben's right. Like some of these people are going to be unregenerate and they're going to listen to sermons and not go to church whether we tell them to or not. Like that's that's what unregenerate hearts do. They They don't do what God tells them to do. But... But there are people out there who, especially in 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 this uh, what Ben was describing earlier, kind of post Christian era, the 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 knowledge of how important church is isn't as common even among Christians as it should be, let alone out in the world. Yes, David, I agree. I stated what I stated earlier in the most provocative terms. So if you're still listening, dear listener, I. Do you think that there are Christians who don't go to church sometimes, unfortunately? But that's not as it should be. And and I think, really, my point was the decline in church attendance overall, over the last decades, has a lot more to do with our crappy understanding of conversion than it does a business practice that will help us draw bigger crowds. That's all I'm trying to say. I also think it has to do with a lack of deep biblical preaching and a lack of an understanding of what church really is and what its value is. I, I don't know. I don't think it's easy to pin that lack of decline over five or six decades on one, one or two things. But I think there's, I, I, I would imagine there's a number of reasons for it. And I think that I would go so far as to say that it's, yeah, a lot of the way that there's been a resurgence in, in expository preaching in the last well, since the resurgence, <laughs> um, <laughs> since the YRR movement uh, or YRR uh, for our American listeners. Um, and I think that probably has something to do with it as well. Because there's just, you know, for a lot of sort of surface level thematic, I think back to some of my previous church days in, I don't, I don't want to name which denomination, but there's a lot of preaching out there that is so surface level that it, you, it is easier to walk away from it going, yeah, I could have not listened to that and it wouldn't have really made much difference. Or I could have not been there for that meeting and it wouldn't have really made much difference. I don't think a church has to podcast their sermons. Ooh, Agreed. More controversial. I don't think a church <laughs> has to have a graphic for every sermon series. Agreed. <laughs> Careful. Some of the uh, oh, people man. in our Slack are the people who make those graphics. I don't think that they're sinning for making the graphics, but I don't think that the graphics are necessary and nor is the sermon podcast. I will say, however, on weeks when I'm out of town, which doesn't happen super often, it's very nice to be able to, especially if we're going through like the gospel of John, which we are right now, it's very nice to be able to listen to the sermon after the fact so that I can hear what was said and not be missing some piece of information next week when I'm back. Yeah, I think there's a real temptation to turn it into a giant production. Uh, you know, totally. now you've got sermon video and now you've got three cameras and now, you know, you, you've got somebody going in and doing editing on a Sunday afternoon for a few hours, cutting between the different shots, color grading. Then you bring in your digital beauty expert who touches up the pastor's skin and makes sure that his, uh, you know, t- does the digital tummy tuck. And 
Uh, if you if you don't, <laughs> then you have the thing. Video. I'm sure yeah, you have the piano I'm music sure playing the whole way through, so that there's no gap in music <laughs> from beginning to end of the whole service. Exactly. How are Joel Osteen's teeth so white? They're not that white. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's digital beauty. <laughs> um. So in general, we would want to, I guess, disagree with a lot of this article, a lot of the presuppositions, but maybe there is something here especially for us who are not pastors to say, you know, have a conversation with the elders at our church and say, Hey, how can we make sure that especially, especially at larger churches where the, the downloads are more than just from the congregation, how can we encourage people to come to church and not just listen to podcasts? Mm, that's another thing. I think and this, this is an off topic. I think this is really is part of our understanding of what a church is and what the mission of the church is. Mm-hmm. When you podcast your sermons, who are you putting those sermons on the podcast for? And I think if your first answer is anything other than the members of your church, people who couldn't make it that week, like that, there may be other reasons, maybe, you know, and there may be many reasons why people can't make it that week. But if your if your reason, your first reason isn't the members of your church, X, Y, Z, we might have a serious problem, right? Because Mm -hmm. you don't put the podcast out there so that hopefully uh, somebody else will hear it and then come to your church. Yeah. That's a nice side effect, but that's incidental. It's not intentional. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there can be a variety of reasons. Another reason you might do it is so that the elders uh, can all review the sermon, uh, specifically, especially the elders to review the sermon to make sure that if there are any corrections that need to be made, um, and then, then when they are making a correction, they can point to a specific time and speak with the pastor and say, this is the thing that you said that needs to be corrected. Like having a record of it. I guess that's different from uploading it. Uh, just simply having it recorded is, is enough at that point. But um, Also, in Baptist churches, elders are members of the church. In all churches... What? Where is that? <laughs> oh, okay. Thing? I thought I thought you were trying to make some weird clergy lady distinction. I, I didn't understand. Oh no! I mean, the like, members could it also. It seemed like you were disagreeing with what I said, or at least distinguishing yourself from. Like, well, there are other. Re- I said something about members of your church, and then you said, "Well, there are other reasons too," as if you were about to say well, something you, that wasn't members of the church. Yeah, I mean, you were saying like people who can't be there. I thought, and I was just trying to say, well, there's a lot of reasons to have the recording besides just people who couldn't be there. It could be for right. people to listen yeah, yeah, to yeah. it again. It could be for right. Um. Yeah, but those are all things that serve your church because Ephesians, we are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You like mean that's what the church is doing? You, you mean pastors are there to equip the saints and pastors are there for the work of the ministry, right? No, I mean pastors are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not how it's been rendered most of church history, but <laughs> that's why I brought it up. I know. <laughs> Sometimes a discussion or a conversation with you guys is like walking in a earthquake prone area and at any time the earthquake can cause the ground to split and one side is Baptist and the other side is Presbyterian and some people just fall in the middle like me and go, how do I get out of this (laughs) this hole that I'm now in? How do I get out of this quagmire? Which I'm not in a hole. I'm on the Baptist side, but I'm kind of clinging to the edge going, Ben... Can we not have the ground open up all the time, please? <laughs> um, 
This tectonic plate says no. We have to make the ground split all the time. I guess what I'm trying to say without saying it is that I think you could have, if a church thought that their pastor was particularly helpful and the congregants wanted, yes, of course it's for the members, but we also think that other people uh, might find these sermons helpful. Like, I don't think that's bad. I think that's okay for I don't that either. to be a reason. And even, I don't even up there as like a primary reason. Yeah, I don't think you were listening to me very carefully, David. I said if your first <laughs> reason is for something other than the members of your church. I gotcha. Yeah, and I guess you can have, I mean, most people don't have like a, a hierarchical list of reasons. Like the first reason is for the members of our church. Uh, and the second reason or or the... I don't know. I, most churches don't necessarily think in, in that level of clarity. Well, sure. But when I ask somebody, hey, why do you podcast your sermons? Yeah, I What's guess the first sense. thing they say. Wait, so I've, I've bested you? I mean, you just never said anything that I disagreed with. <laughs> Let the record reflect this day in history. <laughs> this day in history, February 15th, 2019, or for Craig, the 16th. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Welcome from the future. When you get here, it's nice and sunny. Yeah, man. No, I, I just, my point was just that I think there's a priority to the Christian. And then in corporate gathering, we worship God. We gather to worship God and we gather to edify and build each other up and present every man mature in Christ. And then we scatter from the corporate gathering and we evangelize the lost. Turns out Sunday morning is not intended to be a Billy Graham crusade. The part about what would Jesus podcast? Nothing. Totally disagree. I think a podcast like this one, not to be self-congratulatory in any way, and like lots of podcasts that are that are like this one are great. I often tell people, Christians, if, if your only experience with podcasts is sermon podcasts, you are missing out so badly because I've honestly have learned a lot more theology personally from people discussing those things in ways that you just can't do in a monologue. Or a lecture. Yeah, if I'm being honest, I think, and I, I'm not saying this is universally the case or that everybody is doing it for the same reasons that I did. When I listened to a lot of podcasts, it was because I was very spiritually immature. And even the milk that was being, the milk slash, you know, maybe it was a protein shake, maybe it was a step up from milk. But but the what I was receiving in sermons is different from what you would receive in like a systematic theology uh, class at seminary or something like that. It, it was, it was less than that, but it was more than what I was receiving at my church. And that's when I valued them most. And now that, now that I've found good books, now that I, I feel like I understand more about the Bible, uh, listening to sermons is something that I do less of than back when I was more spiritually immature. Again, I'm not saying that people who listen to podcasts are spiritually immature. I'm just saying like the, I think there's more value in it when a higher percentage of what is in sermons is stuff that you haven't heard before. Does that make sense, Ben? I'm not touching that one. Cause I know you didn't mean what I'm about to critique you for meaning. Yes. This is a sign <laughs> of maturity. Well, no, I'm all curious, but, um, <laughs> when you, you did though, uh, this is not that thing, by the way, I'm never going to tell you what that thing was. So, um, when you said podcast, I don't listen to podcasts as much. You were just referring to sermon podcasts or were you referring to all kinds of pod- sermon like podcasts? Theology. Okay, so not like a Reformed podcast, for example. Yeah, I mean, I still find value in stuff like the Reformed Brotherhood or, or right, you yeah. know. Um, okay. That's all I meant. 
Yeah. The dialogue format is really helpful for me specifically. I don't know if that's just something about how I learn and I'm sure there are others who are that way, but um, I've found that really helpful. Yeah. And I think all that I mean is like sermons are supposed to spend a good chunk of their time on application. And a lot of that application is going to be specific to a local congregation. Right. And when yes. I was really spiritually immature, I needed all the application I could get. I, I would listen to everybody's application just because like, uh, well, that and I thought I was going to be a, a pastor. So I was trying to learn how to apply things. And, and a lot of the sermons I listened to were generic applications because they were celebrity pastors. But... <laughs> Now I yeah, find I do, listening I for the theology more helpful and there's more theology in non-sermons. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I, I also do think in terms of your sermon intake specifically, well, I think also probably your theology intake. Hopefully your primary source is the ministry of your local church and your elders, especially. And if it's not... I mean, it certainly could be an indication of your own immaturity, as you were talking about in your case, but I, I think it also could be an indication of the health of the church as well, in some cases. Yeah, I mean, I think most most Christians who want to listen to the kind of stuff that you can find on iTunes U or, or hear the Reformed Brother, Brotherhood talk about, like most churches are not talking about that in any kind of education environment, whether that's Sunday school or, or what have you. Like, I mean, you're talking about the top 20% of churches. Uh, I went to a 1689 church once. <laughs> I'm not saying no churches do it. And I'm not saying it's only Presbyterian churches. I'm just saying that there are not a lot of them. There are not a lot of churches that are going to discuss EFS uh, as part of their Christian education, even though there are tons of podcasts that do. Yeah, we would have too at this 1689 church I'm referring to. Well, what it's I, worth. I would probably like that. church. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just had amazing pastors and even church members who just loved me really well and loved God's word and wanted to talk about it all the time. So this has been a long meandering discussion. <laughs> Organic. Isn't that what you call it? <laughs> we hit on a lot of things and there are only three of us and we would love to add your voices, dear listener to the equation. If you would like to discuss this with us and with other listeners of the tech reformation, you can join us by going to slack.techreformation.com. And you can hit up our website, techreformation.com, for past shows and topics. Thanks for listening. And we'll... This has been Tech Reformation. Thanks That's for listening, and we'll see you next week. That's it. Well, I won't. <laughs> you, you lied. No, no, I ain't looking back. No, no, I ain't looking back. No, 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 I ain't looking back. Made my choice and I ain't looking back